Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. This is episode 161, and my name is Jeff. So glad that you've joined us this week for this conversation. Let's get right into it. DW, my co-host, how has your week been? Good. I'm an old guy that enjoys uh, winter, and it got a little crazy this week. I couldn't cross-country ski, so I was getting a little ornery. I've really enjoyed the weather. I can't complain about it. Were you out cutting grass again? No, actually not. It was a, it was not quite that dry. Okay. All right. I was just wondering. A little bit soggy in my Because you like cutting grass in, like, winter. <laughs> we have to deal with with you, but it's okay. Wasn't it around Christmas? It was. He likes cutting grass and yeah. looking really cool out in the neighborhood. <laughs> It wasn't this past Christmas because there definitely was snow on the ground for this Christmas, but a year ago from this last Christmas. So anyway, Jason's back again with us this week. Jason, you're not cutting the grass this week, were you? I, I was not cutting the grass, but I could tell you I was knee deep in plans for summer. I The weather just brought on a fury of motivation and excitement. And man, I am so ready for summer. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff happening here at Silver Birch Ranch for our 50th anniversary. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't believe it. I mean, it's it's com- it's going to be here in no time. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I run up. My wife and I operate a youth club at, in our church, and I was talking to him last night. I said, you know, next week is March. And they're going, yeah, yeah, no kidding. And I said, yeah, but think about it. It's March and April. There's Easter in there. Our last night of, of youth club is first week in May. I said, we don't have that many nights left, you know, before summer. And they're going, huh? It's February. No, we don't. I mean, we really right. don't. And that's how life goes. So um, I know that here at Silver Birch Ranch, the we're going to put. Final countdown. That's right. We're, we're going to be we're going to be pressing a little bit to uh, to get ready, and it's an exciting time for us. I think the adrenaline starts flowing, and we're starting to say, "All right, summer's coming. Let's gear it up and uh, get excited again for thousands of kids to be able to come up here, students, and and enjoy being a part of this experience at Silver Birch Ranch 2017." You know, this time of year, I mean, I know that we're going to be in summer very soon. I know it's hard to convince people to think that way because here we are. We're in the middle of winter yet, and we're still looking towards what's coming up this summer. A lot of good things happening, and we'll definitely post some of those links in the show notes about Silver Birch Ranch. Lots of good stuff. You guys need to get up there. I don't know if I could say it on the show, but I think you need to spend some time away, and Silver Birch Ranch would be a great place to get away, whether it's your spring, your summer, lots of activities all year round. Guys, in the middle of winter, sometimes what ends up happening is in the northern Midwest state of Wisconsin, uh, we tend to get kind of boxed in, and you have that cabin fever kind of thing settle in. And even though we saw some really nice warm weather this last week, once it gets cold again, we kind of shut back in. And, and so season effect disorder kind of settles in a little bit. And, and so there's a struggle there. But today I want to talk about mental resilience and what that really means, how that looks like. Now, I know that's not really a Christian thought, but for a lot of people, you struggle with season effect disorder or just the, the whole cabin fever idea that settles in. 
how do you maintain that level of sanity, especially in the time of year when it could really seem like this is never going to end? We're never going to get through winter. It's cold. I want to get outside and mow my yard. I want to, whatever your thing is, I'd love to do some of those things. We were able to do some of those things this last week, but it's kind of hard sometimes to remember that the good part of the year is still coming up. Yeah. I don't know. Is, does that make any sense to any of you guys? Have you have you had conversations with people this week about that? Some of those yes, things? but you have to deal with reality. This is February. It is in and, northern Wisconsin. In northern Wisconsin. So anybody who's Hence out the there, snowstorm. We I know. Just had. You know, <laughs> anybody who's saying, "Oh man, we we hit these record numbers, and and I better go out and plant my flowers." You know, you're not living in reality. That's not, and that's what happens. You get disappointed. And, right. and in our lives, if you're on this roller coaster of disappointment, it's because you keep pretending. You know, it's like, oh man, it's 60 degrees, middle of February. We're going to have an early summer. Like we haven't even had the end of winter yet. And, and enjoy the day because it's unusual, but realize that tomorrow it could be 10 below. Otherwise, you're going to be very disappointed, and that's what happens. I think that's where the season-affected disorder comes at times because we're, we're sitting there going, you know what? I was all excited for the warm weather. Well, good. Go enjoy it. But realize it's still February. Get something realistic going in your brain. I found an article this week that I thought would be interesting to talk about on the show. We talk about a lot of things on HopeNet Radio about conversations that save lives. And there's an article from a former FBI agent who shares eight qualities of resilient people. And we're also going to talk about this guy that you probably have heard of in the Old Testament named Jonah and some life lessons that we can learn from his example as we read about his story in the book of Jonah and throughout the Old Testament. So don't go anywhere. This conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio tonight. Join us on the tweet back and share your thoughts, your questions, ideas with us on Twitter. Just use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. You can chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com, especially tonight if you're going through something in your life and it's stressing you out, it's weighing on your heart, you don't know who to go to and talk to about this stuff you're feeling inside, live coaches are available at HopeNet360.com. Jeff, DW, and Jason with you this week. And guys, we're diving right in. Found this great article this week from a former FBI agent who is talking about the eight qualities that she has seen of resilient people. This is an article by Lorraine Coy. Uh, she's a former FBI agent. She's talking about eight things that resilient people think, the way that they think. And so the first thing Lorraine says is that resilient people take responsibility for their actions. Now, this seems basic, and, and she goes on to write that when she was in the FBI, she realized very quickly the FBI would not tolerate any whining or complaining. Now, I think that's a great rule for life. I, I find that the more I complain about something, the less it actually gets solved. The more I you know, find myself, I don't know, disappointed or uncomfortable or anxious about life because I'm just not dealing with it right. Whining and complaining is probably never a good strategy for life, is it, Dave? No. There's a difference between whining and complaining and constructive criticism. There just is. And, and whining and complaining is a dead-end street. We go like this, you know, I don't like your shirt. <laughs> Where's that going? I mean, that's just a dead-end statement that, that has no validity, shouldn't even be said. Years ago, when I was involved in, in various ministry things, I, we were sitting with our ministry leader, and our, our leader just basically said, 
I don't want to hear about all the moaning and groaning. I don't want to hear it. You either give me constructive criticism or give me nothing at all. Because I don't want to hear about your dead-end runs. And that made sense to me. And really, very seldom do I want to give a dead-end statement to somebody. I'm going to be able to say, you know what? Uh, this isn't right what you're doing, but here's what you can do. That's constructive. Yeah. You know, Jesus did that all the time. He basically said, you know, don't do this, but here's what you can do. Don't do this, but here's what you can do. And, and that's constructive criticism. We get caught in this. We don't even think we're responsible. Let me ask you guys something. Are we trained to live in a pretend world? Isn't it like most of the influences in our lives are pretend? Pretty much. A Facebook relationship. How real is that? Mm-hmm. Movies. I mean, how real are they? They're made up. Television programs. How real yep. are they? Yep. The, the news media. Are we convinced that we're getting the truth from them? After a while, people don't know what the real world is. Mm. And then we're saying you need to live in reality. So when I say, hey, you should live in reality... What in the world do you think people are hearing me say? Their reality? Is there such a thing as your reality and my reality? Or is there reality? I mean, that's something you got to ask. I think the hard part, and this is something that in America we, we deal with, whether we realize it or not, but there are things that happen or don't happen in America that happen in other countries, or at least not in my life. And so sometimes we tend to base reality around my experience and my experience only. And I think that's a dangerous way to live sometimes. And it's not that we should like want to catch malaria or you know, deal with some of these diseases that you see in other countries that don't have advanced medical treatment. But sometimes we do get caught with reality being what I perceive is what my experience has been rather than All the, I mean, the experience of humanity, which can be hard when you haven't experienced some of those things. I don't know. Does that make any sense for me? Well, for me, I just, I have never really wrestled, never really dealt with chemo treatments for cancer and none of those things. It hasn't impacted my life directly yet. I know it's reality for somebody else, but I don't live as though it's affected me. What I'm talking about is we're talking about you need to be somebody who is responsible. Okay. So if you're going to be responsible, you need to understand what reality is and live within it. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. If, you, if you're not aware of reality, how can you be responsible? Because you're, you're not even aware of what decisions you need to make that are real. Let me ask you guys a question and just kind of frame this a little differently. Is God doing something right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is Moses doing something? No. The Moses of the Bible, is he doing something? He would be. I don't know what. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I know what, but... You know, are those who have gone before us to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord? So those who have gone before us, are they doing something? Yeah. Are angels doing something? Yes. Yes. Okay. Isn't that part of reality? Yes. So we don't include that in our decision-making processes. Then how in the world can we be living in reality? How could we be responsible? If we're going to live in reality, we need to know what reality is. And if we don't know what it is, for me to get stuck on this, this planet and to, to be in my own little world, if you want to call it, and think that's reality, well, certainly I have feelings and certainly there are things around me and certainly, you know, I do have, quote, my reality. This is my house. This is my car. These are the people that I know, certainly. But there, the reality is a bigger, bigger circus tent than I would like to admit many times. And in, in order for me to be responsible, I need to understand. I go all the way back to Genesis if I can. And, and I go to Genesis, and it starts in Genesis, and it says, sorry, I've said this like a billion times, in the beginning, God. Okay, n- now I can start living in reality, because I can be responsible now, knowing there's a God, and, and I'm going to answer to God, and, and I have to fit into the things the way he created things, and, 
and that kind of thing. So I agree with this, that, that we need to live responsibly, but I think it's impossible for a nation that is so trying to live their life in a virtual reality world to be responsible. And somehow we have to know what reality is in order to respond to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, the other thing about actions is that every action has a consequence. It could be a positive consequence or a negative consequence. And especially when we're whining and complaining about something, sometimes in the whining and complaining, we do things, we make choices that affect other people in negative ways. And and sometimes we realize it and sometimes we don't. But I think that's part of reality too, is we have to understand how our choices and our actions affect other people. And sometimes, you know, when something's uncomfortable for us, we just, we lash out and we respond in a way where, yeah, it, it probably imposes on somebody else when that's, you know, it's not really taking responsibility for my actions. That's just kind of saying, well, I'm just going to live the way I want to live. And that's not responsible. And we talk about that on the show quite often. And that's actually one of the reasons that we encourage you to go and chat with a live coach, because sometimes we don't really think through how our perceived reality is affecting somebody else. And maybe we do. Maybe there is a choice that's been made long ago that's affected someone for a long time, and it's not something that you can fix. And that's unfortunate. But a lot of the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis or a minute-by-minute basis, we can actually think through before we even make that choice. And yet, sometimes we just neglect to do that. So let's talk about that tonight on the show. We're going to take a break here on HopeNet Radio. You talk about this as you're listening to the show tonight, and we take some, some time away You talk about this with your friends, maybe whoever's in the room with you. Do you take responsibility for your actions? Have you, has there been a time in the past when you haven't taken responsibility for your actions and you kind of regret the way you handled yourself? We'll talk about that. We'll come back here on the show. We'll talk more about it. Check out the show notes at hopenet360.com. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. You can check out show notes tonight at HopeNet360.com. Every episode has show notes. And in there, you'll find some links. And this article that we're talking about tonight, eight characteristics of resilient people there in our show notes, along with maybe some videos, some other tweets, things that you guys send into the show, questions that you give us. We would love to address those on the show. Make sure to tweet us using the hashtag HNRTB. It's the HopeNet Radio tweet back. Jeff, DW, Jason with you this week. And we're talking about eight characteristics or eight qualities of resilient people from a former FBI agent. And this is from smartbrief.com. Larray Coy has written down some characteristics. Now, I'm sure there are probably more characteristics, but these are pretty good. And they're stuff we talk about on the show all the time. Second one, Dave, that I want to touch on Resilient people develop good daily habits. Mm. Now, I know you talk a lot about that because you're about prioritizing things in your life. You've developed some good daily habits, and I'm sure as a young person, that was a struggle you had to work through because developing those good daily habits isn't what you feel like doing. And we talk a lot about that on the show, but talk about this. Good daily habits. What makes a daily habit good or bad? I mean, what were some of the things that you had to do to make some changes in your life in the area of habits? I think it's a very, very easy thing to talk about because the one word that you want to keep in mind is intentionality. That's all. Yeah. If you're not going to be intentional, it's not going to happen. That's true. So if you tell somebody, yeah, I want to become an Olympic athlete, fine. Then schedule workouts and do things because you're not going to get there accidentally. You want to have a good marriage, fine. 
then schedule time to be with your spouse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You, the word intentionality keeps coming up when I, when I hear about habits. If you want to build muscle, you don't do that by repetitively or repeating to lay down on the sofa for hour after hour and eat chocolate. That isn't going to build muscle. So what you have to do is you have to say, I'm going to get up and move and do something. And, and now, if you do that on a regular basis, it becomes a habit. And, yeah. and you're actually thinking in terms of intentionality. Uh, it's really hard. Why is it so hard? And this is more of my question as a teacher. Why is it so hard for our culture to avoid being intentional about something? It's like we want everything to happen by accident. We want to somehow love God and it sneak in and all of a sudden we love God. Yeah. We want to have good marriages, but not put any effort into it. We want to have a balanced budget as a country, but we're not really intentional about making it balanced. You know, I mean, what is with us on right. this one? Well, and, I, and it's something I see even in our daily Christian walk. It's like, you know, as I talk with young people or anybody in general, it's like, man, I want to get closer to God. I want to grow my walk with God. Or I, I wish I had the faith of so-and-so, you know, because they, you know, re God really shows up in their life. Well, it's just like you could focus on the here and now. And, and I love the word intentionality because it's, it's the same with our daily walk with God. I mean, it goes back to the simple things, you know, like reading the Bible. Right. It's not going to just happen that you're going to open up, you know, your book or your iPad or your device and read it. It takes intentionality to form that habit. And even when you have that habit, you know, sometimes you're going to face the craziness of life and that's when those habits are going to be tested, yep. you know, but if you, if you have that habit, the likelihood of you sustaining that habit through the tough times is more likely than if you don't even have that habit, you know, because then yep. when you hit the hard times, it's gone. And it starts with the intentionality mind frame. I've had young people, I don't know if you guys have had this, but they'll come in and say, well, I, I really just want to wait, you know, to read my Bible until I feel like it. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute, you need to be more intentional about that. Yeah. You know, or I want to wait to work out till I feel like it. Here's a secret from a 60-year-old guy. I have never felt like working out. You know, I just don't feel like doing it. Yeah. That doesn't mean that, that I don't do it or that I don't enjoy how I feel afterwards when I do it. It means like right now the thought of me going to get you know, changed and go work out is like, forget it. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Yeah. So today I'll give you an intentionality. I have been wanting to exercise more. And, you know, I like driving my ATV over here to, the, to work and, and my little toys. And I've decided, no, I got to walk. So I've been walking, you know, put the back. That's intentionality. What's going to happen after a while is the walking becomes habit rather than getting in a, a vehicle of some sort and driving. And, and the habit then becomes something that's good and and hopefully has a positive effect. So yeah. that, that's what we're talking about. Habits are, are very important uh, to develop. Look at the Old Testament sometime and all the habits that God wanted us to develop. There's habits even in the New Testament for the church. Are you supposed to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is something that's supposed to be a reminder, right? Yep. Why do we need reminders? That's a habit. I mean, let's get into the habit yeah. of reminding ourselves of the death of Christ, the resurrection, his body broken for us. Let's get in the habit of that. Should we be in the habit of, of joining together as a body of Christ in church? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a habit. So, so we have to be intentional about it, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you have to be intentional about it so it becomes a habit. I think sometimes just changing the word from habit to like intentionality and then realizing that intentionality will breed a habit is something that makes it doable for us. And the reason why is because research has shown, there's a professor at the University of Michigan that shows when people are under stress, they regress to the deeply embedded habits that they've developed in their life. In fact, the way that we train ourselves to think, feel, and behave during our regular daily life is exactly the way we will respond when we're hit with hard times. My soccer coach used to tell us that the way you play 
comes down to the way you practice. So practice the way that you play your games. If you want to perform well in your games, you've got to put in the time, the effort in your practice. Every single day is practice, whether we like it or not. The other part of it, Dave, is that so many of us are focused on pain avoidance. We don't want to experience pain in life. We want to avoid it. Right. We really don't want to deal with the pain. We think that maybe it's not even the real pain. It's just the perceived pain. So yeah. even if it is just getting changed to go and work out and to do a run, you're thinking, oh, it's, you know, my knee's been bothering me. I come up with all these excuses of why I can't do it because either i'm lazy or i just i feel that it's it's going to bring me a a pain that i don't really want to deal with at the time yeah and that's not that's not the best way going back to number one it's not really being responsible for our actions either no and love you know the greatest thing in life is love relationship with another person and it's painful you need to be willing to go into pain in order to enjoy life You, you need to be able to do that there are so many benefits on the other side of pain um there's so many benefits on the other side of exercise and having relationships where you die to yourself and those kinds of things. And to go through life not being intentional, hoping that all of the really good stuff in life just hits you somehow is not going to happen. And your habits are not going to be formed because you're not being intentional. So I, I think they're onto something there. You have to be responsible in the beginning, God, live as if you live in a real world. And, and yeah, your habits are going to be formed by your intentionality. And if you're really not intentional about anything, then you're not intentional at all, and you won't have habits that you should have. You can get into really bad habits. In the second half of HopeNet Radio, we're going to talk about how resilient people focus on possibilities and how they are also positive thinkers. And we're also going to talk about this guy named Jonah that you've probably heard of in the Old Testament and some life lessons that we can learn from his life. So keep it here. The second half of HopeNet Radio is coming up. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. Hi, I'm Brittany. By the time I was 16, I started using meth and heroin. I was willing to come to Teen Challenge. God met me right where I was at. There really is an end to drug abuse. This is Franklin Graham. No matter how difficult it may seem, there is hope and healing from a life of addiction. For more than 50 years, Teen Challenge has helped people at crossroads find peace and direction. Reach them on the web at teenchallengeusa.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at hopenet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Glad that you've joined us this week for this conversation. And if you miss any part of the discussion tonight or you want to come back to it, share with your friends, we hope that you would. You can subscribe to the HopeNet Radio podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Check out hopenet360.com slash podcast and any app you use. You can even take the feed link, plug it in your favorite one. So if you don't use iTunes or TuneIn Radio or Stitcher Radio, what's wrong with you? Uh, you can actually just go back and put it into your own podcaster and find all of our shows there. Listen to them, share them with your friends, share them on social media. We hope you do that. And hopefully it will encourage you and inspire your conversations this week. Tonight, Jeff, DW, Jason hanging out with you. And we're talking about eight resilient characteristics. So eight qualities 
of resilient people from a former FBI agent uh, by the name of Larray Coy. And this article is on smartbrief.com. We've linked it into our show notes. We've been talking about a couple of things. So the first two things we've talked about so far on the show is that resilient people take responsibility for their actions. This is basic 101 stuff for life. Number two, they develop good daily habits. And the third one that we want to talk about is that resilient people focus on possibilities. What this means is that those who are resilient, you and me, we constantly ask this question, what can I do to change my situation? What realistically can I do to change the situation that I'm in? Now, if you think about an FBI agent, they cover a lot of ground. They go into situations that you know have a lot of potential outcomes, hopefully good ones, but a lot of times they're walking right into the face of evil and they're having to deal with the possibilities. What are the possible outcomes of this? So resilient people take into consideration other variables like smoking, poor nutrition. There are so many different things that we have to look at in our day-to-day life about choices that we make, but we have to take into account what are the possible outcomes of my actions. When you start talking possibilities, I immediately think of what is possible if I listen to God. And you can't help but look in the Bible and see these guys that listen to God. And that was their only requirement, listen to God. I mean, take Noah, for example. Really dumb idea to build that big boat in a mountain like that, but he listened to God. Who is the guy we're still talking about that did it right? It was Noah. Yeah. The idea of possibility, if you want to in your life just focus on yourself, then your possibilities will be limited to what you can do. Even as I am the the president of a ministry, one of the things that I focus on is making sure that those that work here have the freedom to reach their possibilities and that they don't have to be limited by mine. And I mean, that's just part of the deal. Because otherwise, if they're limited by mine, then this whole ministry could only go as far as I could go. Mm -hmm. But, But if you can bring people and say, you know what, you have this giftedness in this area, this person has a giftedness in this area, all of a sudden you can go way beyond what your possibilities are yourself. And, and likewise, then you, you transfer that to God and you go, man, think of, of the possibilities that God can accomplish through a life that loves him and is just dedicated to listening to him. What could he do with that life? That's the possibilities. Now all of a sudden you're resilient. What could God do through an illness? You know, someone who's resilient, they're in an illness. But what could God do through that illness? That's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. And, and he can work through it. Yep. He can. Yep. can. What can he do through a tragedy, a financial tragedy? Can he work through it? Sure. You know, all of a sudden you're resilient because what you're thinking of is, what could God do with this rather than, poor me, I'm stuck? Right. So how do you get there? That's the question. How do you get to where you're thinking that way in in terms of possibilities? I think we're so eclipsed by ourselves that we we can't do that at times. Jason, you talk a lot about living intentionally. I know we talked about intentionality on the show, but going back to this article, there's some research that points to the fact that clerks and secretaries are more likely to die of heart attacks than senior executives. This is written in a book. It's linked in the show notes called The Status Syndrome, How Social Standing Affects Our Health and Longevity. Um, But they took into consideration variables like smoking and poor nutrition. What they found is that people in lower category jobs, like clerks or secretaries, felt like they had less control over their life and that they were more likely to suffer from heart disease. 
And I know sometimes, Jason, you, you probably find yourself in the same situation, you know, as a millennial and you're just starting out, especially working in ministry. You feel like, oh, I'd love to just, you know, start traveling the world and, and do some things that are a little bit outside of my normal day-to-day life. But it's like, you know, whether it's a financial thing or it's just the time to get away and do some of the things. I don't know. Have, do you feel like this is something that some millennials really struggle with is that they don't have as much control over their life? So instead of living intentionally about certain things, they just decide, well, I'm just going to kind of coast because there's nothing I could do about it to change it right now. You know, I, I see that quite a bit, you know, because it's, and I think it extends even beyond millennials, but I think sometimes there's something we want, whether we want to travel more or whether we want this, whether we want that. And we want it now, you know, but yeah. we don't necessarily set up our lives in an intentional way to get there. And I think that goes with our everyday life. You know, if we're doing a job and we're just doing it to do it, you know, what's the intentionality behind that? Whereas with any job, you can be intentional, you know, say if you want to save up and do something, you have the intentionality to be able to do that in your life, you know, and it takes that that responsibility and that resilience to, you know, take life and, and set yourself up for success and to surround yourself with people that can help you keep that mindset going. Otherwise, you're not going to give up, uh, you know, get those dreams or those aspirations that you want. So are you saying that focusing on possibilities also requires you to have people along with you that remind you that that is possible? Absolutely. Because just like Dave was saying, if you don't have those voices of truth in your life, reminding you of what the bigger goal is or the, the bigger picture is, then our natural tendency is just to, to worry about me, myself, and my own. And that's that, that selfishness. And that's where we fall into sin. That's where we fall into temptation. That's where we lose sight of the bigger picture. And then it's like, man, woe is me. What's the point of life? You know, And that's, that's, that's where Satan wants us, is to be by ourselves in our own mind, in our own thoughts, without any exterior truth coming in, whether it's through the habit of reading the Bible, through the habit of having godly people around us speaking truth into our lives. It's just interesting that, that the whole body has to work together. And what happens in life is there are times where we need to see that the possibility that we can uh, achieve happens because it's a whole body that works together and not apart. And that comes from being together and, and allowing people into our lives that have different skills, different abilities, but one purpose. And that's the glory of the, the church of Jesus Christ. I want to touch on this fourth point. We're not going to get to all of these eight qualities tonight on the show, but the fourth quality of resilient people is that they are positive thinkers. This is different from being an optimist. Positive thinkers are blunt realists who look misery right in the eye and they confront the most brutal facts of their day without expecting things to change. And then they adapt to their circumstances without ever losing hope. We've got some show notes to check out for you at Hopenet360.com. When we come back on the show, as we wrap up, we're going to talk about ways that Jonah either did some of these things well or didn't do them well. We're going to talk about the life of Jonah when we come back here on Hopenet Radio. Join us on the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And this conversation will continue here on Hopenet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, Hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Dave, the life of Jonah is very interesting. And I know you've read through the story of Jonah. Obviously, if you know anything about Jonah, this was a guy that 
was a prophet of God, supposed to deliver a message to the people of Nineveh. And he decided not to do that. He decided to run. And eventually he ended up in a belly of a whale, puked up on shore where he was supposed to go anyway. And and we can learn a lot just from that little snippet of Jonah's story. But as you've gone through your life, Dave, and you've studied this book and, and the life of Jonah a little bit, what are some things and what are some ways that you see Jonah's life paralleling or not lining up with some of the eight characteristics that we've talked about so far on the show this week? Foggy thinking is foggy thinking for whatever reason you have it. I mean, if you're not thinking things through clearly, you're not. And, and I can't get to all the reasons necessarily for you, but, but I'll tell you what, Jonah wasn't thinking clearly here, or he would have responded differently. And, and here's what happened. The Lord, it says in Jonah 1, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, get up, go to the great city Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked his people are. Now, we don't know, but he didn't want to do this. He did not want to go to Nineveh and say, you people are wicked. Now, I can't blame him. You know, I mean, would I want to go to Chicago and stand up and say, you people are wicked? I mean, would I want to do that? Probably not want to do that is, is the category I'd be in. So he didn't want to do this. But here's the weird thing. This is pretty clear what God said. You, you know, I want you to do this. And Jonah pretty much didn't. And that, verse 3 says, but Jonah got up, went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. It's like, no way. I'm going somewhere else. All right. Can you believe this? I mean, this is as clear as it gets. Joe and I want you to do this. And he says, no. And he goes the other way. Let me just tell you how bad a thinking this is. This guy is thinking, I can ignore God and I will win. I will ignore him and not do what he tells me and it will work. I'm sorry, that's never going to work. And if you're listening today and you think you could ignore God and it's going to work, it will not work. I'm telling you that. You might say, well, it worked today. Yeah, it did. Jonah's walking towards this other ship. He gets on it and he's going, see, it works. God didn't destroy me with lightning. It works so far, but it's not going to work. And then he gets on board the ship. And what happens is he went down to Joppa on the ship and he bought a ticket. He went on board. But the, and here it says, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Hello, Mr. I mean, you're not going to escape from the Lord. I, I don't care how you try. You're not going to get away from him. You can ignore him all you want. You can pretend he doesn't exist. You can pretend he didn't say something. You, you could do that. But then it goes on. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. And so these sailors, they were in this wind. There was a storm. They were fearing for their lives. And, and what does Jonah do during this time period? He, he comes out. He's actually down there sleeping. And he gets up. And, he's, and, and they were saying, well, who is it that offended God? And Jonah comes. In verse 9, he says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and land. Sailors were terrified now because this guy says, I'm the guy who made this all us. And verse 12, he says, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. Do you know what amazes me is Jonah was willing to die before he listened to God. He was willing to kill himself before he would listen to God. And here's how stupid it was. He couldn't. God's in charge of that. And, and so he throws himself, they throw him in the sea, and he can't even die because God has a fish swallow him up. And he becomes, you know, puke on the shore. And what's funny is he gets thrown back to the shore he was. You know, I mean, so all of a sudden you got this guy who's probably as white as a ghost because he had all the hair burnt off him and stuff from the, the acid of the fish. And he's running around. People are actually listening to him. Now he goes to Nineveh. He finally says what he's supposed to, and everyone listens. It's like, Jonah, in the first place, you missed the whole opportunity. You're thinking, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to run from God. It doesn't make any sense to run from God. And then to even think, I'm going to be so adamant about this. I will kill myself before I listen to God. Dumb idea. 
for two reasons. Number one, you can't kill yourself if God doesn't allow you to. And number two, you would face God immediately then, right afterwards. You're not going to escape from God by doing that. Here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to reconcile with him and listen to him. He loves you. You're not going to run from God and get away with that. You can't. It's impossible. You cannot do it. And that's my exhortation to you. If tonight you're listening, you go, well, I feel like I I need to run from God or I need to take whatever. You know what? Contact our our hope line. Contact coaches right now that are willing to sit there and talk with you about life. Because it makes no sense to run from God and think you're going to get away with it. That's all. That's all I'm saying is it makes no sense. And, and we were talking earlier, someone like myself from the outside who's older can look at you and tell you that because I, I'm not trying to meddle in your affairs. I'm just trying to say, if you're going to not listen to God, run from him and determine that you're going to win against him, that's not going to work. So why don't you talk to our, the live coaches that would want to talk to you right now and say, you know, I want some help and let them guide you at this moment. And we'd love to be a part of that. Keep it here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Thanks for joining us this week on The Conversation. Hopefully, it's been encouraging to you. And tonight, we're wrapping up with some of our final thoughts on eight characteristics or eight qualities of resilient people. We just touched on some of Jonah's life and lessons that we can learn from Jonah's life. Dave, Jason, as we're wrapping up the show tonight, guys, what are some of your final thoughts? If you're going to be somebody who's going to be successful in life, there are characteristics of those who have been successful in life, and you should go look at what they are. I would suggest that possibly you go into Hebrews chapter 11, because those people are mentioned as people who did it right and who were successful and they were resilient. And so if you really want to understand what God um, considers success, then go look at the, the people listed in Hebrews chapter 11, and then go in the Bible and read their stories and realize the characteristics that made them successful. And I think what you'll find is that they were responsible, that they did have right habits, that they understood possibilities, that they, you know, they thought of what could happen as they walked with God. They were positive thinkers, and that they were, they're going through thinking what God could do with this. They did prioritize. They managed their emotions. And that's one of those things we didn't get to talk about. But I have so often said that Satan works by grabbing your body to try and control your mind. And by that, I mean your feelings, your emotions, and that kind of thing, where God works from taking your mind and letting it control your emotions. And those people who are successful in life, they manage those emotions because they realize they can't be controlled by them. Another one that is on that list is find a tribe or find a a group of people, like a, a body of believers to be a part of so that you can have the body parts there that allow you to see things clearly and to reframe the negative elements. Certainly, uh, in life, there are a lot of negative things that we can look at. Um, we will all die in life, and I don't think that's a positive thought for any family member to think about somebody else. But what is the reframing of that? Well, you don't reframe it in a way that's lie. You reframe it in reality. The reality is you will die, but because you are in God's family, if you've put your trust in Christ and you're in God's family, then this is just the start of something that's a forever relationship, and you'll see these people again. So I, I just encourage people, go to Hebrews 11. And go to those characters and go through the Bible and just make a list of things that, that these people did that are just characteristics that you also could learn from and, and imitate them. Anything that makes somebody really successful, don't make it that complicated. It's actually pretty easy. 
I can boil it down to just a few principles, like follow God, enjoy God, and enjoy others. And you'll see that, that these all fit into that. Yeah, and, and just to repeat a word that we used on the show, intentionality, that's the biggest motivation of it all is that in order for us to get to the point where we set ourselves up, you know, even with, you know, these eight things, you have to be intentional to get there. It's not just going to happen overnight. And the same thing goes with our walk with God. You know, as we as we strive to grow, grow closer to God, as we strive to learn more about Him, it's not just going to wake up and, and just happen someday. It takes the intentionality. It takes those habits that you need to form so that you can set yourself up for success. Uh, and the other big thing is to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded as well. You know, I'm not saying that everybody around you should be of, of the same mind, but, you know, you need to have those people around you that can reinforce truth, that can remind you, that can push you. That way you are growing, that way you are staying on task, because when we're left by ourselves, we're not strong enough necessarily to, to you know, be intentional because we have our own thoughts, we have their own selfishness and, and, and those things we need to fight. And that's why it's great to have people older than you, younger than you that can, that can push you. You know, I have people older in my life and people younger in my life. That way I can learn and grow and be intentional because I'm learning from somebody older than me and then I'm putting into practice as I'm investing into somebody else. And I think as the rubber meets the road, all of a sudden all of these things come together. And I think it's just great. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things. First of all, the example that we just saw a few weeks ago in the Super Bowl, and, and I know there are many that, that would probably feel the same way watching the Patriots win the Super Bowl after the complete meltdown of the first half, thinking there is absolutely no way that these Patriots can come back and win this game. And then guess what happens? Yeah, the unthinkable. That's what resilient people do. They don't give in. I think the most important thing, and this has been a good reminder for me as well, the first, the very first quality we talked about, taking responsibility for our actions stands out to me. It's so easy, especially when life gets stressful. You feel like life is just wearing you down constantly. I think about people who have to take care of other people as their daily life. And so you have to look out for their well-being. You have to take care of their every need. It can get overwhelming and a lot of times depressing and dark because you're not able to even focus on your own self-care your own plan of action for your own life, being intentional for your emotions, for your actions, everything else. And so that can become worn down over time if we're not taking time out to look out for ourselves. And so taking responsibility for our actions not only benefits me, but it benefits the people around me that I interact with on a daily basis. They can be people that I've known for years. They can be just people that I've just met that day. But by intentionally taking responsibility for my actions, I begin to look at not only how I'm treating myself, but how I'm treating other people. See, the most important commandment that God has given us is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Jesus said to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. If we're taking responsibility for our actions, if we're doing these things, now these aren't biblical principles on their own. I, I haven't gone in the chapter and verse on these things, but if you look at them, every single thing that is talked about, you can look in scripture and find examples of this. We looked at the life of Jonah and the life of Jonah is very interesting because number one, God gave him a task. He gave him a simple responsibility, leave where you're at. Now I know it's a difficult thing. He told him to leave where you are and go to a place of uncomfortableness, if you want to put it that way. And if God was to tell you that today, how willing would you be to go to a place that you knew was going to be uncomfortable, that you knew was probably not going to be a great environment to be in, but yet God had told you to go there? Well, 
That's the question for all of our lives. If God tells us to do something and we think, well, how in the world is this really God? Would God tell me to go to a place that's uncomfortable, to be in a a place where people are going to hate me, they could kill me for the message that I'm going to deliver to them? And I begin to play games in my mind how this is going to play out in this perceived reality and I'm not willing to go there myself. Well, Jonah found out the hard way that God had plans other than what Jonah had in mind. Jonah thought, well, I'll just go the opposite way and maybe God will use me in the opposite way. That's not how God always works. He can use us. I mean, we can make choices and God will use us in spite of our poor decisions. Don't get me wrong there. But at the same token, if God has told you to do something, it's a lot easier just to follow and to obey and to trust that God is going to bring you through it. It might be painful, And a lot of times it is painful. When God tells us to do something, it's not because he wants to bring us comfort. It's because he wants to produce character that produces what we call patience. And patience isn't something that you just pray for and God gives you. No, patience comes through adversity, right? When you pray for patience, what you're really praying for is for opportunities to be patient. That's how it works. If you're praying for God to give you a love for somebody, he's not going to grant you love and and affection towards another person. He's going to give you an opportunity to love a person. He's going to give you an opportunity to present that quality. And those are the tests that God gives to us. So hopefully this show has been an encouragement to you. That's all the time we have for us here on HopeNet Radio. But take these conversations into your real life. You can find show notes that go along with these episodes on HopeNet360.com and you can subscribe to the podcast by visiting the link HopeNet360.com slash podcast. Our live Twitter chat, the tweetback, is going 24-7, so leave us a thought at HopeNet360.com or by using the hashtag HNRTV. From all of us here on HopeNet Radio, make each conversation count this week. You could save a life. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Later.